This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Panel to Screen. I'm Bo. And I'm Bell. Bell, man, how are you doing right this very moment? Um, Fantastamundo. That's what I'm going for, man. I haven't heard you say Fantastamundo in far too long because, of course, it has been a while since we've had some Flash to talk about. But that is okay because we have been rocking and rolling through our rose-colored retrospective of the DCEU, getting hyped for the forthcoming uh, Snyder Cut of Justice League. We're going back throughout all of the various films within that universe and looking at them with our patented rose-colored glasses. That's right. We are cutting through all the criticism. We are going straight to the actual film and analyzing it from a very ultra-positive, one might even say the most charitable view humanly possible, uh, as as we did most recently with our our grand freaking daddy of all uh, rose colored retrospectives, Batman v Superman last week. Bell, that was um that was yeah that that happened. It was challenging to say the least. It it was it was and it's it's interesting and I think probably to some extent very very good to move from that one into this one because this one also has its challenges as we we're not going to get into obviously because we're going to talk about <laughs> it positively. Um, but, but it's, it's fascinating kind of, what what is it? It's like, it's like riding the waves of the DCEU, right? Yeah. There, there's certainly ups and downs. Absolutely. And you, but you, but you're starting to see, I mean, I, for me anyway, man, I'm starting to kind of see a bit of a, uh, a grander narrative. They are weaving into each other. They, they feel a little bit more organically connected when you're able to watch them back to back like this. And I think that's going to really yield for some great discussion this week. We want to encourage you, by the way, um, to uh, to support the podcast. Head over to uh, patreon.com slash TV talk if you are enjoying the series. And also, if you would like for us to do a, uh, a retrospective on the uh, Earth 90 Flash television series. That's the television series of the 90s starring our boy John Wesley Shipp. Uh, if that is something you would like to see, we have got that as a goal over at Patreon. Patreon.com slash TV Talk is the place to do it. And that will, um, yeah, set us up for what comes next after this series. But man, I think we just need to dive into this Suicide Squad. Uh, let, let's take them back, man. Back when this movie came out, do you remember what your feelings were towards it? Like, were, were they on the positive side? Or, or you know, what, what was what was your hopes and dreams from that standpoint? Um, I know we're trying to keep everything positive here, but since you asked me a specific question of my reaction to the original Suicide Squad. No, 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 no not the reaction to the original Suicide Squad. Going, like, pre-Suicide Squad, during the hype phase. You you, you remember the hype phase. Oh, oh, oh. Um, I mean, like, going into it, I was kind of like, uh, I don't know. Um, they, they, they were going for a very Guardians of the Galaxy vibe. I remember that, you know, from seeing the trailers and things like that. And so I wasn't quite sure... Um, 
you know, what the result would be. And um, there was a lot of, you know, a, a lot of the hype leading up to it was about the, the, the you know, problems that they were having all throughout the development of the film and the mm. post-production and things like that. Yeah. And so it had me really worried. Um, so I, I certainly wasn't expecting very much going into theaters. See, that's the thing, right? Like this was a movie like like many and a few others in this in in this franchise, which was almost like during what would normally be the kind of ultra hype looking forward to it, like just the the news of its destruction was being reported before it even came out. Or not even destruction, but just the ways in which it was being recut and, you know, early this and that and the other. And so to some extent it kind of Anytime that's the case, I feel like it, it it yields a little bit of poison into what would otherwise be the excitement. Now, as you point out, it sometimes also causes you to lower your expectations, and uh, you know maybe maybe there's a mindset behind that from a you know from a strategic standpoint <laughs> as you put some of these movies out. But the great thing is now we get a chance to look at this with complete rose colored retrospect, rose colored glasses, going into this with no expectations whatsoever because we already know what's happening. And I gotta say, man, out the gate once again. This franchise continues to make some inspired casting choices. Now, I'm not going to say that's the truth across the board here, but I'm talking about specifically if we look at Viola Davis as Amanda Waller and also Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. I mean, you cannot, I, I, I guarantee there are no two better people to embody those characters uh, than these two actresses. Yeah, I, I agree, uh, especially with Amanda Waller. I think uh, Viola Davis did an excellent job with just the ruthlessness and tenacity of the character. And it's and it and, and she. Yeah, I mean, it's like palpable how ruthless she is. And it's yes, it's just it, yeah, it, it's a really it's a really good role that, that she pulls off there. And I think and same thing, same thing with uh, Margot Robbie. I think she also does a good job. She, she kind of encapsulates that eccentric crazy <laughs> that Harley has. And uh, she pulls it off. She really does. I think, yeah, I, yeah, she she absolutely does. They, you know, and I'm I'm excited because one of the things that I was thinking about as I was watching this movie is I'm glad because I have yet to actually see Birds of Prey. I know you've seen Birds of Prey, and I'm looking forward to getting to that as part of this series. Uh, but I was thinking, like, man, you know, Margot, I I really I hope you know it it it's with all that this franchise has been. It would be a shame if she didn't get the opportunity to revisit that character, and so I'm excited that we get to to look forward to that down the future uh, in the near future. Here, um, I will say I'm I'm a little you know I'm I'm almost kind of disappointed that we haven't gotten the opportunity to have Viola Davis as Amanda Waller back again because I really feel like there's more here to enjoy with this character. This character really represents uh, a pretty pretty significant powerhouse for being a well known DC character. That has literally no like superpowers. She's not a metahuman, but she is, as she was on Justice League Unlimited, really kind of a good foil or maybe even like a good, you know, equivalent to Batman. Somebody who is surrounded by these kind of godlike characters, but has to rely on her own tenacity, her own ingenious, you know, her own methods of manipulation to remain in complete control despite the fact that she does have these, you know, again, like these godlike beings that surround her. Yeah. And, um, you know, I would disagree with it that she doesn't have a superpower. I think her superpower is that she is ruthless. And I'm going to keep saying that because <laughs> that's it's like, wow, like she has a goal and she has a, uh, uh, an end that she wants to to get to. And it doesn't matter what she has to do to do it or or to solve that problem or whatever. She gets it done no matter the cost. And like, you know, you have a lot of people say, oh, we got to save these people no matter the cost. And then the cost happened and they're like, oh, no, we can't do it this way. She's like, uh-uh, 
Oh, did you delete all the files on the hard drive? Great. Now you're all dead. Loose ends gone. Problem solved. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really crazy. So, you know, it, it's interesting because I, I, I've often said on this show and other shows that I'm not a huge fan of villains kind of being portrayed as, as the, the heroes, just because I feel like it's a challenge that most story writers don't do well. Either the villains get uh, kind of watered down or, you know, the, the shenanigans around them don't really work. Um, you have to make the world around them more darker than they for in order for them to be seen as some form of light. Uh, you know, I, I like to make if I could make a non superhero kind of comparison. If you think back, did you ever see Wedding Crashers? Yeah. All right. So Wedding Crashers, you have these two pr- primary characters that go around crashing weddings and like lying their way through, you know, hookups and, and through, you know, stealing food and, and like kind of, you know, crashing weddings. And like these guys are terrible people. But the villain is so like over the top that this human being does not make sense in this movie. Like the villain that they're kind of going after, the guy that's marrying the girl that he has a crush on. It's like, why would she even be with this dude in the first place? Like, like nothing makes sense in order for this villain to make sense. He only makes sense because these terrible people need a far more terrible person to go up against. Like that is how much more terrible this person is. And in my mind, I mean, it works for a dumb comedy, but it doesn't work in any kind of like logical sense. It just falls apart in my, in my opinion. However, Suicide Squad has a little bit of a unique situation because in this we're dealing with power dynamics and we're also dealing with the brutality of systems that kind of surround the villains. Um, We're seeing kind of a lot of these incarcerated folks that are being brutalized and abused and mistreated through the you know penal system that they find themselves through. We see somebody, as you say, as ruthless as Amanda Waller, who is manipulating, abusing. She's literally like stabbing, you know, the heart of the witch at one point because she's so frustrated with her. Like we're we're seeing kind of the abuse of power. And if you kind of strip away, you know, our our standards of this person is supposed to be a good person, this person is supposed to be a bad person, they're all just terrible. Nobody's necessarily over the top, although you could argue they're all over the top, but we don't have that, you know, wedding crushers esque, you know, fiance ridiculous character because um, everybody's just a horrible person. And it's all about who has the power and then how do they abuse it the moment they get it? Yeah. Um, I'd say that last sentence kind of makes what I was going to say irrelevant. You say like whoever has the power and then abuses it when they get it. Because I was going to mm-hmm. say Enchantress is probably like, you know, the big bad evil, you know, because she sort of is the big bad evil in the movie. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Um, but it's more about um, she had power lorded over her until she didn't, and then she exploited that situation, right? Um, you know, that was the whole thing with the bomb. Uh, Waller was like, "Oh crap, she betrayed us!" Stab, 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 heart. And then brother <laughs> guy was like, "Nah, it's cool. You can use my heart for right now, right? Until you get yours back." So, yeah. Um, even even with the big bad, the the big evil in the film, there's still a power dynamic between uh, uh, her and Waller. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even like with her, even if you kind of look at her, she's not over the top for the world that she inhabits. Remember, this is like, you know, we had we had Kryptonians trying like to blow up the world with dubstep laser beams a couple movies ago. You know what I mean? So like swirling death, uh, death helicopter or death uh, uh, beam in the sky that's par for the course must be Tuesday in this universe, you know? So I mean, like (laughs) it makes sense. And I will say the DCEU has done a very good job at continuing to build upon itself. If you look at kind of what we discussed or or kind of the premise that I've been trying to kind of put together as we go through this, you look at kind of man of steel and it's this idea of like, you know, 
uh, Jarrell trying to save Krypton through Earth, and then you see Batman versus Superman, and that's Earth response to that, which is kind of this pushback of of kind of you know man fighting against God, right? And then you see Superman dies. So now we're in a world where God is dead. And so what, how does Earth respond? It goes to the devil. It gets these kind of uh, uh, terrible individuals to come out and and try to be the tools of their uh, salvation. I mean, you could even argue, I mean, not, not even argue, I mean, uh, Amanda Waller argues several times in the movie, several times during the setup of this movie. Uh, <laughs> she makes the argument of, you know, having these villains as kind of a need, you know, we need our own superheroes. And we can't. We have nothing to lord over the superheroes because then we become villains. But if we could lord over the supervillains, then how are we not also the heroes? And in a world without Superman, we must, you know, we must be the ones that control the supermen uh, and women. So yeah, I, I, I'm seeing. I guess what I'm saying is I'm seeing a narrative, a grand narrative being woven, and maybe I'm the one writing it. You know what I mean? Like there, but there. <laughs> The point is that it happened, so therefore, what is there to extrapolate? And this is kind of the narrative that I'm piecing together as we go along this series. Now, you might think that's a little bit over the top, or maybe I'm I'm struggling, or not even struggling. Maybe I'm reaching too deep in order to wax poetic. But I am kind of curious as to your your thoughts on that assessment. Well, I I do think um I, I do think Snyder had an overall narrative that he wanted to tell, and it's a lot more clear in the main films. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Like your Man of Steel, your Batman vs. Superman, your Wonder Woman, your Justice League, your things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in these side stories that are just more tangent- tangentially related and not even directed by Snyder, although... Um, uh, wasn't... No, no, Su- you're right. You're right. Suicide right. Squad was David Ayer. That's right. Um, but wasn't he executive producer on this one? Like, I feel like he got an EP cred on, like, all this stuff, but I could be way yeah. wrong on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe I believe he did. But, um, you know, this, this one... I don't think this one was his, um, necessarily. It was given to David Ayer to fit into his storyline, but I don't think it... it I don't think it has any of, uh, of those reflections of that main main thread that, that Zack Snyder was going towards. No, yeah, but it's here. Like, so here's the other thing, too, right? Like, when it all comes down to it, I mean, to make the comparison, the Marvel Universe had various directors and writers. It did not, you know, but it also had a Feige. This didn't have a Feige. However... One might argue in lack of having a Feige, the collective mindset of all of them kind of becomes this amalgam Feige, that there is kind of this, you know, hive mind sense that is a narrative that's kind of being pieced together, uh, you know, and as, as it's kind of passed around. Kind of like when you were at like summer camp, right? Like when you're sitting around the campfire and, you know, you start a story and then it passes off to the next person. They, they say some of the story and they pass off. And so collectively we have all told a story that if you kind of go back and look over it, you can kind of see some narrative threads, not intentionally through one mind, but more collectively through a hive mind. I mean, kind of. Um, I don't care point, if I'm reaching Bell. This is rose-colored retrospective, and I am supposed to reach during a rose-colored retrospective. Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, that's that's a pretty big reach. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for it. This entire series, man. I'm trying to find the meta-narrative here, and I'm, I, I, will, I will go down with this ship. I am, I'm happy to do so. Uh, I will say that too, like the other thing about this, and this this is another thing that I've been piecing together through this, is that this universe is not supposed to be the comics universe. This is not supposed to be even a movie interpretation of the comics universe. This is a dark Elseworlds interpretation. Everything about this Joker is not, like this is not a Joker that we know from the comics. This is a very different take, a very alternate universe take on the Joker. Um, and so I feel like that this this also adds another brick to that theory that we are not seeing a, an interpretation of a comic book universe, but a continuation of a dark Elseworlds take on a comic book universe. 
Yeah, and I did like the representation of the Joker. Uh, uh, Jared Leto's inexcusable onset antics aside, uh, he does. We ain't here for a, that. We ain't here for that. Actually, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. All that aside, he does bring a uh, an intensity to that role that is just palpable. Like it's 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 different from every Joker that's been before it. Uh, and it will probably remain different from any Joker that comes afterward. Uh, it's there's a really interesting uh, picture I saw on Twitter a while ago uh, of all the people who played the Joker and kind of like you know you you had um, Jack Nicholson was the gangster, right? And and uh, you had uh, uh, oh gosh um, would never shave his his uh, mustache, right? Batman right, right. Uh, Romero. Yeah, yeah. Caesar Romero was uh, the the jester i think is what they called him mm. and then you had heath ledger was the uh the anarchist anarchist yep and you had uh jared leto as like the psychopath hmm. and, and i think that fits and I, I think i think they're all valid jokers and i think uh, each one of them has their own merits um but i i did i did like leto's joker in this it is a shame that we didn't get to see a lot of the uh um scenes with the joker a lot of it was cut out from what i understand in the you know post-production nightmare that was this movie right so I, I don't know what kind of impact that would have had on the film um and and we don't at, at this at the time of this recording we don't have the fabled air cut right like that is something and as much as there's been kind of a call for a snyder cut of justice league there's been this call for the air cut of uh suicide squad and much like the early days of the release the snyder cut movement there's a lot of people saying that the air cut never, doesn't exist um, but then they, you know, they said that about the Snyder cut and, and here we are now. So I'd be like, <laughs> well, okay, to, to, to be fair, like the Snyder cut doesn't exist and, and the air cut, uh, doesn't exist. Like right, they, they, right, they right, didn't right. exist until they sat them down or, or, you know, in Ayer's case, sit him down and say, we have all of your footage, make your cut. It, what, it wasn't like he finished a cut. And then they exactly. gave it to the trailer right. company. Like, right. at least I don't think so. Like, I, I, I know there was there were some screenings and whatnot. Um, and I don't know if that was Ayer's completed cut. But, you know, at one point they gave the editing of the film off to the company that made the trailer to com- to compile it all together. Um, and so, like, with um, uh, with Snyder, you know, he didn't have his cut. It wasn't, like, finished and they'll go, no, we're going to recut all this. It was like, we're going to make all these changes, and those weren't the ones that he wanted, right? Like, there's a big difference. It's like, his footage is there, yes. Ayer's footage is there, yes. But, like, there wasn't a finished Snyder cut or a finished Ayer cut that the studio was like, nope, redo it. You know, like, that's... Right. That's not what happened. It wasn't wasn't like they put it in a box, and then they put it in the the big warehouse with all the other boxes, uh, you know, being protected by by, uh, good men or, 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 you know, whatever the quote from... (laughs) <laughs> the last men. crusade top men top, top men, men yeah. yes uh yeah they didn't put it in the vault and it wasn't like you know a a reel that says Zack snyder's batman versus superman like it, it, it or Zack snyder's like it wasn't there like that didn't exist you right? lie like, you know nothing you know nothing of the snyder cut though <laughs> <laughs> that is so, exactly like, where it's been <laughs> but but i mean there, there's there's merit in saying that like sure it's it's not like release it as in like you have it just give it to us. It's release it as in like let Snyder finish the movie how he wanted to. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. I feel the same way with Ayer as well. Like I'm sure Ayer has all this footage that he wasn't able to use that he wanted to put in the movie, namely the Joker stuff, other things like that. And so, um, you know, if HBO Max is is looking for more content, why not? Why not give him a, a, a miniseries like they did uh, with with the Justice League? So, 
Yeah, the I cut. mean, there's there's a lot. That's that's a great discussion, and and I mean, like let's let's talk about that down the line because I think that's a that's a discussion worth having to be sure. But kind of getting back to to this movie in particular, you know, I, there, there's a few moments in this movie that like I feel like nailed it. You know what I mean? Like hit it out of the park. And one of those for me anyway has to be Deadshot realizing they gave him real bullets. You know, when he's, <laughs> when he's doing the trial and everything and it's the whole threat and he's like, oh, you wouldn't give me real bullets and I'm going to shoot up in the air. And he's like, whoa, y'all have got to be crazy. Like, like, yeah. you know, like that, was, that was like the like that was perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there, there were a lot of good like scenes and memories and moments like that in this movie, I feel. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, and and that was definitely one of them. Uh, the the interactions between that guard and and uh, Deadshot were also, you know, they were they were funny and humorous. Uh, you know, a little bit of the comedy element there that I'm sure was snuck in um, uh, afterwards in the edit. Sure, but, it's kind of like I right, maybe Will Smith just be Will Smith because he does go back and forth through this film, uh, and this isn't necessarily a critique because Will Smith is great. Everybody yeah. loves Will Smith. Will, Will, Will Smith is great. Uh, but yeah, the, you you do almost kind of get a sense that they're almost like two dead shots on display. There's a little bit of a, a bipolar nature to this character because one is more kind of very, you know, dead shotty and and um, serious is the wrong word, but but more of a more of an assassin. More of an assassin, yeah. I mean, like leaning a little bit more into the villainous side, and the other is a little bit more of a Will Smith kind of type. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, like like the Will Smith father character, you know that that he plays. Uh, in, yeah, in yeah, maybe, maybe that's yeah. it. Uh, but, but I, uh, I mean, yeah. like, and I don't, I don't necessarily say this is. I'm not, I'm not saying this as a criticism, but I, I feel like a lot of that is owed to the post production troubles. Um, and I'm not saying, you know. This, this is criticism free. This, this there is, was this a decision. Is, let's yeah. make let's make Deadshot a little bit more bipolar. And yes. that's yeah, and that's um and and so that worked. You know, speaking of which, and I you know, all of these characters have their arcs and um and and in, in some form or fashion, be it in a few lines or or throughout the film. And Deadshot is definitely one of those that definitely has his arc throughout the film. And something that eluded me the first time that I did not understand that re-watching it, I really appreciate a lot more now is the climax at the end when the his daughter's right in front of him i that that was lost on me the first time this is the first time i realized like oh enchantress is weaponizing his daughter against him you like didn't get I, that? I did not get that at all i was so i was like wait what is the message of this movie i'm so confused by like what is going on here and part of that was again cuz i was walking into the movie with my own expectations and you know you you deal with everything as you're watching the film for the first time for that reason but like in in hindsight i'm like Oh wow! I I did not get that this was the enchantress. I thought that this was like a vision or something that he was having the first time around. And that is my failure as an audience member. Well, I mean, she just she just showed them all these visions of things that they want, which was another great moment in my opinion for for this movie. Like everybody having like that vision of kind of exposing what it is they truly want, especially like suburban Harley Quinn fantastic i was so disappointed in everyone who followed the uh, uh the live tweet that i did that no one got my paul allen reference because <laughs> it was harley quinn and paul allen <laughs> in uh. the suburban you know uh uh middle america kind of like thing and, and no one no one picked up on that and right. i was i was sad I saw that man. But For those I, of I, you who are wondering what is what do you mean by Paul Allen? Paul Allen was a character that Jared Leto played in American Psycho. Um and 
they and looked also exactly re- the same. reprised reprised for this vision of Harley Quinn. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> that was fantastic, man. It was it was a good good get right there. Um, no, I loved I loved that sequence when uh, when she was able to to show them what it was they truly wanted, and I thought, you know, much much of, uh, you know. Margot Robbie, what what she was able to kind of bring to this chaotic Harley Quinn, I feel like worked in this context. Um, you know, we we constantly see this character who has gone through an evolution over the existence of this character. And I'm talking about beyond the movie in terms of when she's first introduced as kind of like a henchwoman. And, you know, she kind of becomes this, you know, kind of a... a, a the embodiment of somebody in an abusive relationship, right? Like she is completely brainwashed by this individual. She's just constantly taking the abuse and yet she thinks she's fought, like she's fallen in love with this person. And like, you know, in, in more of a modern context, there has been this uh, Harley coming into her own and kind of separating herself from the Joker uh, to the extent that she's able to, because she is still a psychopath. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and I think, I feel like we get a good setup for a deeper dive into Harley. I hope I'm not setting myself up for failure by saying this, but I really do. I'm looking forward to Birds of Prey um, and seeing kind of where the evolution of Harley Quinn goes from what we got here and seeing this traumatic, um, just terrible, terrible relationship that she has with the Joker, with with Jared Leto's Joker and what will come in the future. No spoilers. To be fair, she has a terrible relationship with every iteration of the Joker. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, 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 this is, this is not a critic. I mean, this is a rose colored retrospective, my friend. This is not a criticism. I'm saying they did that well. They, they did that very, very well. Oh yeah. 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 And like, (laughs) it's, it's, it's also uh, interesting in, in Leto's performance as the Joker to see his, like, you know, he's clearly manipulating her and he knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing, but there's also that like, you know, reluctance. Like when, when she jumps off the thing, he was just messing with her. Right. And then there's that moment where he's sitting there. He's like, man, I got to jump in the goo now. He's like, I, you know, I kind of like there's, there's still the clear manipulation, but there's also this, these little hints that like his sort of psychosis and his, uh, well, but here's he, the question, though, Bell. Like, how much of that is actually what happened, and how much of that is what Harley wants to be the case? Oh, that's also very true. Yeah, right. Like, we don't like like in in her mind. Maybe she does. Maybe she thinks of herself as something that he would walk away from, but then his heart just wouldn't let him do it. So he's he's so pulled into it and drawn to her that he has to do the right thing of going back and saving her. Who knows what the Joker's real motivations are? How he actually acted beyond that. In fact, I thought about that a lot throughout the process of how we were engaging with the Joker from Harley's perspective, especially during the flashbacks. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. The, the, that, that is a, that is a very interesting point And I think it is very valid. Uh, the, the only thing is we don't, we don't have a lot of uh, other instances of her recollections where she twisted mm-hmm. them. Cause mm-hmm. we never see what actually happens uh, in any of her, uh, in any of her re- recollections. So like, there's no basis there. Had they uh, uh, had they shown previously her recollecting something incorrectly from what the audience was shown, then there'd be more, um, I think, more weight to that. But I, I, I mean, I, I'll buy it. I really will. I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. I also liked at the end when she was kind of being like, you know, not necessarily even tempted, but when, when kind of the moment of truth came up, and they're like, she's like, wait, why, why aren't we siding with Enchantress? Like, 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 I was glad that somebody did that because it's yeah. like, hey we're the bad guys. She wants to take over the earth. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. 
and <laughs> I, I, I kind of figured it'd be boomerang more than anybody just because he was right he seemed to be the more cowardly of the lot um but but yeah harley doing it uh you know so, uh, <laughs> a, a a pseudo girl power moment there you know between her and enchantress <laughs> yeah i mean like like sure like like i feel like there was a genuineness and like you know into her inquire like inquiring as to what all this would entail like all right so we get to take over the, the earth and then what like what you know like what what all you got and you know admittedly enchantress is probably not making the best sale of like yes bow before me live crawl and i will give you whatever you need or something like that right like it was the it was it was it was not the best sales pitch from enchantress's standpoint <laughs> no no she's like be my slave my servant and worship me and yeah whatever i'll give you i'll give you yeah exactly so so maybe she could she could work on her sales skills a little bit there but point is that like you know i did still because harley crazy like it's very possible that she could have she could have sided with her and maybe she was even contemplating it and then she's like well, there's this katana right here, and she is kind of mean to my friends. She's talking about kind of like the servitude deal, and I already got this whole servitude thing going on with this other dude. You know what? I'm all stab. I'm gonna get all stabby, stabby. Like you almost <laughs> kind of feel like it might have been like that last minute decision, which absolutely that's that's kind of what you want from Harley Quinn, and especially this Harley Quinn and this uh, and this setting. So kudos. I, I thought it was I thought it was done well. What else you got, man? What else? What else? Uh, what else you thinking here? Well, so, uh, you know, we're talking about characters. Uh, I just want to bring up my, probably my favorite character in the whole movie, and I think it's El Diablo. Um, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that his arc was the best. I like his uh, his journey the best. Um, I think he best represents, like, a, a tragic, flawed character uh, who, like, embraces that flaw in the end to... Um, you know, save the day and be a hero, basically. Um, uh, and I use hero loosely since we are talking about the Suicide Squad. Of course. But he is the most heroic, you could argue, like true hero of all of these characters because he's he's been through his redemption arc. You know what I mean? Like he's he's been broken down. He's reached the bottom. So we don't need him to go low in order to get high. He's already He's already hit his low low. Yeah. And at this point, he's just... He's either waiting, waiting for redemption or waiting for death. And yeah, yeah, it, it helps. It helps like to like you say, like it, it gives him a more completed arc for that very reason. Yeah. And it makes him a, a very compelling character and an interesting character and a character you want to root for. You know, it's like, sure, he was a, he was a scumbag, like for sure, a scumbag. Uh, and he did horrible things and uh, he paid for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And and um, you you actually see that remorse and you feel that remorse. It's not like one of those things where you have a character who like superficially kind of like, oh, I did bad stuff, but I'm going to continue to do bad stuff throughout the rest of the film, uh, despite me saying that I don't like to do bad stuff anymore. And like, you know, there's, there's no disingenuousness about him. Right. It's like right. Uh, he is he is by far um, the best developed character, I think, in the whole film. Yeah, certainly the most sympathetic. Uh, you know, and it goes to, you know, when I was talking about, like, again, great, there are great moments, great sequences throughout. The 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 bar scene where he's kind of sharing his story is everything this movie does right. Like, yeah. like, like it, is the, it is the embodiment of when this movie gets it right, like, this bar scene is like it. And man, oh man, I loved, I loved that entire scene. And I loved the fact that there was kind of this bonding moment. And there was also kind of a sense of like discovering who these characters are in relation to each other. Like it gave the movie a chance to slow down 
and do that. So it's not as, you know, yes, uh, crazy crocodile man and boomerangs and that guy that can climb anything that's really just here so we can die so we can show you we can kill you. Like, like you know. <laughs> Slipknot, like, which, no! <laughs> <laughs> which, I mean, to be fair, you have to have that character. Like, you need to establish stakes. And like, yeah, it's going to be Slipknot. Who else are they going to get? They're going to get King Shark for that? No, I mean, come on. like, I, 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 yes, you're absolutely right. They have to do that. That's one of those things they got to do. I was hoping that it was going to be a character that they build up and build up and like start from the beginning as like one of the first. You want a they- Game of Thrones out of Suicide Squad, and that's on you, man. I just, <laughs> I just on. like, like, there's impact, right? It's like, oh, they, they bring this last dude, and you're like, oh yeah, he's not going, he's not going to survive. You, you know, he's dead. You don't know how he's going to die, but you know, he's dead. Like the moment they introduce him, right? And it's right. not 15 minutes later it happens. Like, it would have been. Like, I don't know, kill Slipknot, but introduce him first. Talk about him. Sure. Amanda Waller's going through everybody, you know, like. I mean, like, give him some real character development. You know, tell him that he's here to have your back. That, you know, he could probably cut you down with one sword stroke, like mowing the lawn. (laughs) You know? Like, you know, maybe even advise them not to be killed by him because, you know, somehow he traps the souls of his victims. Like, like that's character. You know, hang on. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pressing the line. I I see that. I am stopping my rose colored retrospective, my rose colored glass out of smudge. Let me, let me handle that real quick. (laughs) All right. They are clean now. I am good. Yes, Bell. We, but we knew, we do need that. We do need some characters that, that can actually die. In fact, I would argue if the suicide squad did not have somebody they blew the heads off of, then it would have been a failed movie because you have to establish that early on that there are real stakes and that yes, even named villains, uh, you know, like Slipknot can be killed and <laughs> and that's good. That's, we got that. And again, like they're not going to do that with King shark. They're not going to pull in the Joker and like, you know, blow the Joker's head off or something like that. It's, it's going to be somebody like a Slipknot. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, Hey, you know, one of the things that I really liked about the, the premise or what was kind of driving or motivating our, our bad guys here is the commentary on like they used to worship us and now they worship machines. And I was thinking about that after that line. I was like, man, you know, this idea of magic versus machine, we don't get that enough in films. I, I, at least I, I have not seen enough movies that really explore that tension. The idea of kind of, you know, worshiping magic versus worshiping machines. Honestly, like one of the films that has done it like the best is uh, Onward. Did you ever see Onward? Onward. From Pixar. Oh, uh, is that the one with the trolls and they go try to find their dad whose upper half is missing? Yeah, elves and yes. Elves, it's, sorry, um, whatever. It's it's a it's a brilliant movie of I mean it's you know, Pixar, right? So it's all about tragedy and make you cry. And yeah. All that. yeah. But it's a great movie of dealing with kind of childhood trauma, loss, processing life without a, you know, parent. It's it's really there's some amazing thing that goes on. But in terms of the world building, it is all about the idea of like one day we had magic and then machines made it more convenient so we don't care about magic. Interesting. Yeah. And I like that concept. I kind of wish that we got more of that, especially in these superhero films, because those are films where machines basically work as magic and magic actually existed. So, yeah. I don't know. I just I like that they went there. I would love to see more of that. Yeah, that that is that is an interesting sort of motif. And like, you know, you, you got to wonder if uh, uh, Enchantress kind of figured something like that would happen. And so as part of, you know, her rule prevented the advancement of her people from, you know, because because clearly modern weapons and modern technology can hurt them. Um, otherwise, why else would you just try to blow them up with a demo charge? You know, like, yeah. 
yeah. you know, like stuff like so. So so that was interesting, though. That was really, really neat because, you know, you have this uh, you have Superman who cannot be harmed by mortal weapons, you know, things like that. And and uh, but in this particular instance, they're magic based and we haven't seen magic based villains in this universe yet. And so it's. Uh... Well, I mean, Wonder Woman, Ares, she's not a villain, yeah. though. And Ares is a god. But I feel like, and granted, we don't know a whole lot about the interpretation of Greek gods from this standpoint. I was actually thinking about this earlier today, wondering if the Greek gods were actually like the metahumans of their era, right? Yeah. So theoretically, they could have a, a, a massive expansion on like, you know, maybe it is more biological where their powers come from. But I think if we're going to maintain a thematic thing going on i think it's fair to say that Ares was a magic-based villain well yeah but modern weapons couldn't harm him yeah okay fair enough yeah it, it, it's more of like you know this is i think with what they did with enchantress is how they're going to handle other magic users in um the dceu like like if we ever get a justice league dark you know if we have like zatanna constantine uh you know different characters like that i feel like those are the rules they're going to try to uh maybe maybe base them on is like this oh, yeah. this um you know their their limits to their power they're they're extremely powerful and they can do you know wondrous things but they still have to be careful so it makes them more vulnerable and it makes them more interesting as characters um so and and the the one thing that that would have been cool to see that would have been an interesting interaction would would be to see um and maybe we'll get this in uh uh the snyder cut who knows but to to see the interaction between magic and superman you know like like his weakness being magic and things like that so so it opens up the door for that which i think is cool i think that's that's a neat um door to open for a cinematic universe is like to bring magic in there they didn't really go into like how magic works or like why it works or things like that it's just magic but yeah um, but you, you don't need that i mean that's that's almost universally true of this movie which lends itself to my whole this is an elseworlds dark elseworlds take on the comic book char- characters like they never set up anything. They expect you to know what's up. Yeah. Like this movie doesn't go into who the Joker is because you know who the Joker is. You're Which expected I to know who he is. Oh, a hundred percent. But that, like, that's you do that in Elseworld. Like Elseworlds only exist because the main world has done the work, right? Yeah. Like, like you can have these explorations of, you know, a pirate version of, uh, you know, Deadshot or not Deadshot, but a pirate version of, um. Uh, Slade. Who's gosh? Why am I forgetting Deathstroke? Yeah, you can have a you can have a pirate version of Deathstroke because you know who the actual Deathstroke is in the main universe. Like the Elseworlds, like thrives off of the fact that they don't have to do the setup for who these characters are. They can just you immediately communicate that. Yeah. Um, but by the way, I wanted to ask you this: have, Did you watch? This is a side tangent, real quick. But did you watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer back in the day? I'm actually watching it right now. Uh, me and Christy are going through. We're on the. We're like maybe halfway through the third season. Okay, great. Have, has she done the one where she fights the guy who's like, you know, no weapon forged by a man? And she's like, yeah, that was a long time ago. And she like pulls out a bazooka. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's such a great moment of like magic versus technology, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're right. Technology couldn't stop you back when technology was like a sword and an arrow. <laughs> Here's a bazooka. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about how about a rocket propelled grenade? Let's see how well you, uh, <laughs> you fare exactly. with that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Anyway, that's um, just side tangent yeah yeah and 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 that's and you're right like you you don't need that kind of stuff for this universe because you're expected to kind of already know it and and i think that's that's really really useful we don't need to see batman's parents die every film we don't need to see superman um uh 
you know, the, the fall of Krypton, every film. Now, uh, the exception to that being like if you're reimagining a character, which, you know, which the, the kind of thread we've been going through this whole thing is that uh, Superman is uh, in, in the Snyderverse is, is a reimagining of Superman in this different context. Right. Uh, uh, and so, you know, to see his story from a different Yes. perspective i think is important in that in that uh, it, regard it, it it's it literally sets up the entire universe yeah absolutely yeah so so in that regard it is important but you know the, like all-star superman uh you've read all-star superman right yeah oh yeah uh one of the greatest superman stories i think i've ever read and uh you know how like it, it, it's it's a standalone graphic novel but you know everybody knows who superman is so what do they do talk about superman's origin four panels it's like and and it's like eight words or something. Each panel has like two sure. words, you know, and it's and it's just and it's just okay, cool, yeah. Everybody knows, but but here here's how it goes. So I think that's I think that's a good thing to kind of do in, in some of these superhero movies as superheroes become more popular in you know the culture and everything. You don't need to see Batman's parents die every time. You, you know they die. You don't need to see uh, Superman growing up on in Smallville. Um, you don't need to see yeah, those you things. Ten seasons of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right because you know there's there's a precedent for it now if you're trying to tell a different style of story like i mentioned earlier with man of steel then um i think it still applies but like in this instance it's similar enough that we don't need to kind of go into the details on it with suicide squads particularly yeah i got my i got my graphic novel like uh, uh, up on a bookshelf right now like my stack of graphic novels is on a bookshelf right next to me i'm trying to scan through and see if i actually have that one that is a great story um, yeah, I see it. You know, <laughs> uh, good for you. Uh, all right. So yes, 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 yes. Um, there was one other thing that I really wanted to make mention of. Oh, all right. The team. So a lot of times when you have kind of a team like this that is brought together, like literally Suicide Squad, you could get anybody. You got the whole vast array of DC villains, which there's more villains than there are superheroes, right? Like you, you could, you could literally craft a team to be whatever you wanted it to be. And a lot of times, whenever I think about teams being crafted for storytelling purposes, I, I think about using the framework or kind of seeing the framework that may have been used that relates to kind of like a raid party from like, you know, D&D or World of Warcraft or something like that, right? Like yeah. having somebody who is your tank, having somebody who's your, you know, damage, you know, qu quick damage hitter, somebody who's your healer, who's your bard, whatever it may be. I don't think that was the case here. As I was watching this, I realized, I was like, you know what, I bet, I wonder if, and I haven't really done the work yet to consider this, because I, I, I feel like it requires more marinating than the rose-colored glasses would allow me at the time. I, I kind of wonder if there was almost like a, like, let's set up a chessboard, because you do have your more... Like the, there's a sacrifice that goes with the pieces on the board, right? Like we've already mentioned Slipknot, he, he died. Um, some of these characters don't need more than just to be able to travel in a straight line, you know, like to like literally cut right through, like as if they're mowing the lawn. Like they, you just need, you know, uh, your, your bishops, so to speak, or you need kind of your hard hitters that are just going to kind of power through and, and, you know, dive underground and just go straight in a straight line. Like your like your rook, so to speak. Um, and so I'm wondering if there's, there's a plethora of characters here that are kind of set up almost as chess pieces more so than something like a raid party. I, I don't know. That's not necessarily like a, 
it's not intended to be a hot take. It's just, <laughs> it's just something that I, I was just kind of thinking through as I was watching the movie this time. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's roles in a party and those roles can be anything. I mean, you could have a party full of four mages or five mages if you want. Um, there's, and there's certain things you'll do incredibly well and there's certain things you'll do poorly on, but it's uh, right. And you all wipe and it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like if you're doing an AOE run of a five man dungeon for sure, you know, five wizards is where it's at or mages is where it's at. Um, but yeah, you know, yeah, there, there, there's definitely roles that, that everybody kind of fills. But I think in this situation, it's more of like, um, there's really two roles, right? There's the leader and then there's everybody else. Um, I mean, if you want to talk about functionally, I mean, El Diablo worked as a tank in the final boss fight, uh, from that standpoint. <laughs> Uh, and then you also have, you know, obviously Deadpool or not Deadpool, uh, Deadshot is more of a, a DPS. I mean, he's just blasting here, there and everywhere. Um, he's also the raid leader then because yeah, he's he is kind the of the raid leader. Absolutely. Like him and yeah, him and no, flag I, kind of like switch positions, if you will. Cause like at, at the beginning it's flag, everybody protect flag, flag, which would make him kind of the healer because everybody's got to protect him. Because if, yeah, if, yeah, if, yeah. if the healer dies, they all die. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. That worked out pretty well. Oh. Yeah, no, you're right. He is actually the healer from that standpoint. I mean, it's kind of a reverse healer. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, like literally he's keeping them alive. Yeah, he's keeping them alive. Yeah. I, that works, actually. I didn't. I, you are blowing my mind. Or yeah. You might call yourself Flag because you are blow, Rick Flag because you are blowing my mind right now. <laughs> like, a, uh, like a lawnmower, like, like mowing the lawn. Yeah, just mowing the lawn, just cutting right through. Yeah. <laughs> Souls are trapped in the swords. And he, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's right. That's right. Um, hey, speaking of flag, uh, actor, what played him? Um, what was his name? We need to we need to reference uh, news real quick. I. What was the guy's name? Rick Flag, the actor. Yeah, the the actor that played Rick Flag. I've got IMDb up. Uh, Joel Joel Kinnaman and Kinnaman. Okay, Joel Kinnaman. Uh, so this is kind of pseudo breaking news because this came out earlier today. I believe this came out earlier today. Websites are reporting that uh, Spider-Man 3 is actually looking to cast a character that is a Joel Kinnaman type. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah. But not um, Joel Kinnaman? <laughs> well, so that's like the thing, right? Like the question is like, well, are they, do they, do they want Joel Kinnaman or is it they want a budget Joel Kinnaman? Because they might need a budget Joel Kinnaman, but I mean, they got Marvel money, so why not just get Joel Kinnaman? I know. Maybe Joel Kinnaman wants that Marvel money and they know that Joel Kinnaman can't get that Marvel money, so they want a Joel Kinnaman type. That's my guess. That's, that's my, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, my yeah. assessment. So yeah, now Joel uh, Kinnaman type uh, being uh, sought for the new Spider-Man film, if rumors are to be believed. One imagines that he might be a Craven the Hunter type. Uh, that's definitely kind of the the Twitter speculation uh, at the moment, but that's crossing the streams. I apologize for that, but I just I saw that earlier, and having just seen him <laughs> betray Rick Flag, I'm like, ah, we should we should reference this. So there you go, referenced. Yeah, done. Yay! All right, what else, man? Anything else uh, before we wrap this thing up? Um, yeah, I think about, that's all. That's about all the positive stuff I can. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can get. I mean, look, it's it's it it is a it's a mess. Yes, and and it is intended to be a mess. Everything about this movie, from the marketing, from the display, from the setup, from the structure, from everything, it it knows it's a mess, and it's not afraid to be a mess. And I think if you can't toast, if you can't go to the bar, pour a drink, and raise a glass for Suicide Squad for being the mess that it knows it is, then I you know how how dare you even call yourself a fan of messes? So there you go. That's that's my two cents on that. Uh, Bruce Wayne at the end of the movie, Coda, uh, getting the paperwork on, on Barry and Aquaman, uh, setting up the future, which is exciting, but let's set up the future right now, man. What's the next movie that we got on our list? 
next movie that we have on our list is drum roll please jump 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 it is uh do you need a longer drum no here we go uh so the next one actually is birds of prey okay good i thought that was the case so this is interesting man like all right we've we've jumped around i think wonder woman was so far our big jump around because we we watched that movie first before watching man of steel yes and because that's where it comes in the timeline and we are all about the timeline here so from that standpoint this next one birds of prey now you have seen birds of prey i have seen birds of prey okay so i will be watching it for the first time ever and live tweeting it next tuesday at 7 p.m central time so be sure to uh, follow us on uh, at flash tv talk on twitter you will be getting my live reactions this is gonna be interesting man i don't think i've yeah, I don't think I've ever watched a movie for the first time with rose-colored glasses on. This will be the most. I don't yeah, know what that's going to do, do for that? the experience. Yeah, you should watch it twice. You should watch it once and then uh, watch the for the live tweet. Watch it again with rose-colored glasses on. I mean, school's about to start, man, and we're you know having to do the whole COVID homeschool thing. So we like, teach them filmmaking by watching this movie. <laughs> That's completely inappropriate to, for children. I was about to say, I was like, so my my five and seven year old, you want me to show them birds of prey? Absolutely Great. not. Right. Thanks, Uncle Bell. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, my godparents took or not took me. They rented Terminator when I was like six. Everybody's godparents did that when they were six. That's just normal, man. That's, <laughs> That's part of the course. <laughs> All right, man. Well, good stuff. I'm looking forward to it. It should be a blast. And like I said, if you want to join us, uh, the hashtag is uh, release the rose colored cut. Hopefully I've been enjoying this series. Um, you know, we, if, if you have, let us know. I know it's a tough time right now um, in, in, in the real world. And so we're, uh, you know, we're looking for, for fun ways to, to keep spirits up in the midst of everything that's going on. So we hope that you are all being, uh, you know, being healthy, staying healthy, taking care of yourselves um, in, in a lot of different ways, taking care of yourselves, of course, physically and staying healthy, but also just, you know, mentally, uh, making sure that you're having kind of those interactions with uh, with your friends and family when, when possible. Call your loved ones because the reality is, you know, maybe your loved ones are going to be got by the suicide squad. I don't know. That's not a that good transition. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a horrible transition. Yeah. <laughs> Call your loved ones because they may be murdered by psychopaths. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. Uh, but no, but seriously though, uh, this is, this is, we want to make sure that we give uh, y'all the opportunity to connect with us. So be sure to uh, keep up with us. Follow us uh, at flash TV talk on Twitter. You can follow bell at ring that bell. You can follow me. I'm at the real Bo York. Uh, you can also uh, like the Facebook page where we are rocking and rolling on the live streams enjoying the, enjoying being able to do that consistently. We it's been a long time. I feel since we've been able to do that consistently. So we are back facebook.com slash flash TV talk. We will be back next Tuesday, rather next Wednesday for the live show. Uh, where we will be talking about Birds of Prey there. So join us for that. It should be a lot of fun. We've also been rocking and rolling, having some fun over at uh, over on Minecraft with the uh, Flashcraft server, which has been a ton of fun, man. We've been doing it up on uh, various Twitch streams. The guys from Legends TV Talk are on it as well. We've got uh, we've got it open. So if you, if you are interested, if you play Minecraft and you want to join us, we've got a DC-inspired uh, a Minecraft server where you're building the Hall of Justice. We're also having a lot of fun and antics along the way. Um, and, uh, yeah, Bell, tell them something fun from Flashcraft. Yeah. So, uh, it, it, it's, it's really great, right? It's one of those things where, you know, and if you are interested and you want to join, uh, we have group community builds where we're trying to build like the big structures, like, like both said, the hall of justice, the Legion of doom, uh, you know, the various, uh, Wayne Manor is going to be one in the Batcave. 
Um, yeah, but like cool. I'm, I'm probably the next st- live stream I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be building eight bit uh, versions of DC characters. I'm gonna start with the Flash. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna start getting that going. I've been, I've been making uh, wool farms, to, like automate wool collections of a bunch of different colors, and um, yeah, it, it's just a blast. Um, it's, it's been a lot of fun, and you know, the more people, the merrier. So like, if you really are interested, if you, if you like Minecraft, if you uh, like DC Comics, and you, and you're a listener here, just yeah, hit us up on Twitter and, and let us know. We'll, uh, we'd love to see you. Plus, it's just a great way to like, honestly, I, I, I've been enjoying the community aspect of it, like just throughout the day, kind of being in contact and like seeing, you know, like when we can't see each other out in like physical person, it's kind of nice. Like seeing like, oh, Fox just ran by or, oh, Bell just crashed into my house out of nowhere. Like, you know, this is great stuff. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah. I, I enjoy it. We also have the, uh, the I'm uploading videos, uh, trying to do, do so about twice a week uh, as well. So uh, search, search for Flashcraft. We also have the link up over at uh, face or rather flashtvtalk.com and learn more there. I think that's going to do it for us for this week. So for me, for Belle, for Belle's mom. Hi, mom. Have a squad-tastic kind of day. (laughs) 